Well, good morning. How are you doing? Brilliant to be at C3 Roselle. Indeed, this is the first time I get to share the word. I've been here on a few occasions, but our plans worked. I put on this, uh, this um, <clears throat> triathlon out in Western Sydney. I got Ward invited to it, and uh, then I had a word to Nick, invite me along. I'll come, I'll do the, the message, and uh, uh, so... I finally get to preach in this great church. So good. Uh, It it, it really does feel to us uh, like family when we visit our C3 churches. You know, any in the movement, but in particular, our C3 locations around Sydney. You know, we get to uh, preach and visit in the city campus and Silverwater. And, uh, you know, as Nick's saying, we've got this long-term connection. And that's one of the things we value in C3. We don't just rock up and have some worship and attend a service and say, that's church. Church is community. Church is doing life together. Church is all the one another stuff where we build one another up. And I love it that uh, we are doing this great task of bringing the gospel and standing like a light on a hill for people in Sydney, right? And we're doing that together. Uh, So good, you know, great to see Joe. Uh, We always love the connection, ongoing connection with graduates. And so great to see Joe Therese, fantastic. Uh, And isn't it cool that you get some people all the way from Germany to come and help with worship? So good. So Justine's a current student, but uh, next year we get Dennis, uh, which which is fabulous. Uh, And next year, we get Kevin and Tracy coming and doing uh, part-time. And uh, so, you know, we just love this because we get to uh, be on the same page doing this great journey together, which is so exciting. Hey, love the worship this morning. I just think, you know, it's a big gig bringing the worship every week and overseeing that. It's an area where there is warfare because the devil hates it when glory is given to the king of kings and i i just felt man let's why don't we just put our hands together and thank andrew for for just bringing it week after week great job this morning absolutely loved it so i wanted to just say a couple of things about this actually because last weekend uh we did our christmas stuff at oxford falls And uh, we didn't just treat it as, well, we do a Christmas service each year, so let's do one of them. We really did what we could to see this service as one of those wonderful opportunities to be an inviter to church. Uh, We ended up seeing a whole bunch of kids come to Christ, and about over, over our three services that we put on, about at least 12 adults there was also we invited a whole lot of people to a matinee uh, from our local retirement villages and aged care facilities and a whole lot of them said we're in and so there was a whole lot of people who maybe aren't that long for this planet who now have an eternal destiny with Christ now yeah why don't we put our hands together for God I think that is so good so here's the thing about Christmas you know as Steve mentioned People have an open heart to coming to a Christmas service. And we had one person in our church who who really was wanting to invite uh, someone who they knew through school to a service and thought, well, what service 
would be a really good one that they might say yes to because you know it's a bit clunky you don't want to come to church oh, I'm not really a church person but want to come to um, a Christmas service sure and so I invited this person from school they said yes Pastor Phil did an altar call. At the end of it, he just said, you know what? I just think there's someone else here who's not come forward. I didn't feel this last night, but I feel it now. And this blonde lady walked down the front and received Christ and is now in the kingdom. And so I'm just thinking, who in our world? What family member is waiting for the invite? What, what neighbor that we've got a good connection with? And we've, we've known them for years and it would not be strange to say, hey, we're putting this on. There's all these cool things for the kids and it'd be really good to get them to come along. Now, I just thought I'd spend a little bit of time on that because sometimes this is what happens. This is what happens to me. You have your Christmas production and, and, or, or your Christmas service and in the middle of it, you're thinking, they would have loved this, but it's too late. So I'm just bringing it a little bit forward so we think about the, they would have loved this first, so that we're asking people in our world. Amen? And, and we'll even pray about this at the end of the service, because it's that important that we're thinking about who we might invite. So, Christmas. Who thinks that it is looming earlier and earlier every year? Oh my goodness. Of course, the retailers, if they had their way, that would be starting in about the beginning of um, February. And uh, going from there, it is an amazing time. I love Christmas. It's crazy. It's busy. It's big, but it's awesome. It's festive. There's all sorts of gift giving, but it can be a really challenging time of year. I've found that when you have festivities, that if there's not much joy, you really notice it. I found that when people are talking about peace, but there's not peace in your life, you really notice it. That when everybody's talking about getting together with the family, but the family's not in great shape, you really notice it. And so as we're coming into Christmas this year, it was on Pastor Phil's heart that we really minister to people so that they have the presence of God coming into this time that can be wonderful and tough. And what we're going to do today is look at how we can bring whatever burdens that we might have in our life that perhaps are heightened a little by Christmas and we're able to bring those burdens, bring them to the foot of the cross so that we are not in any sense dreading Christmas, that family get-together, that feeling that we've had in past years or whatever it might be, but rather than that, that we're thinking, my God's bigger than all of that stuff and it's going to be good, He's with me and even if there's some things on the landscape of life which are not quite where I want them to be I'm going to have joy and peace anyway who thinks that's a good idea as we're going into Christmas this year so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles please to Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 love this scripture anybody here have life scriptures ones that just loom up all the time I've got some of those this is one of them. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, as we spend time in your word this morning, we ask that this would not be just another message, but that the Spirit of God would take a hold of this word and bring it with transformative power, with recognition of what you are doing and what you have done, and with revelation, Father, of what it means to lay our burdens at the foot of the cross today and to take your yoke, which is restful and light upon us. Father, we ask that you would do this in our worlds this day and we would not be the same as we leave church. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that this morning, say amen. Amen. Well, the burdens people carry is being spoken about in this passage. Look at what Jesus says. He issues a call. Isn't this a cool thing? He actually issues a call, and the call is to all who are weary and to all who are burdened. Weary, what's it mean? Well, simply this, those who are tired from hard toil. Burdened, those loaded down. Now, it's not just talking about being a bit tired, because then he'd say, all of you who are weary and burdened, come round to my place and have an afternoon kip. What? He's not just talking about, look, we're working hard, it's a bit full on, and so I'm feeling a bit tired. This is people who are weary from carrying burdens that are burdening their souls, burdening their emotions, leaving them feeling a bit worn out as a person. I love it that Jesus issues a call to people that are facing that. It's not, okay, all you lot that have got your life together, come to me. I don't know if that many would be coming. But to us who are weary and burdened, he issues a call. I think this Christmas, I sense the call of God to those who are burdened with family situations not being exactly where they'd hoped it would be. Maybe even long term that there's someone not at the Christmas table because there's challenges in the relationship. There's been a parting of ways. There's someone unwilling to reconcile. I think I'm talking about some things that are faced by people in this room because these are the things that are common to humanity. And he's issuing a call to us that if we are burdened in our family situation to come to him. Other burdens that people face are the burdens of comparison. When we tend to look, when we get together with people at the stuff in our world and the stuff in their world, do you know what I found about the comparisons that people do? We never set it up to win. Anyone else done that? You compare yourself with the people that, man, I look at my talents, I look at their talents, man, they're just a whole lot more talented than I am. I look at my fruitfulness, their fruitfulness. Does anyone ever find themselves going down that track? It's not a good one. Because Jesus calls us to run our race, not someone else's. But humanity tends to always stick itself in someone else's lane and see how we're going compared to someone else. And we don't do that well when we do. You know, I just remember this day this happened to me. 
Some years ago when Steve Irwin was alive, we visited Australia Zoo and as Nick alluded to, my background is as a scientist, right? I'm trained as an environmental biologist. And so I go into this zoo and we see the man Steve and he's doing this thing where we're hearing about all these conservation initiatives all around the world and I enjoyed the zoo, but I just thought, my goodness, check it all out, all the stuff this guy is doing all around the planet. And I came away thinking, Pat, why don't you do something with your life? Now, do you know what? I actually was making disciples I was training people to follow Jesus I just was a bit hopeless if I stuck myself in this guy's lane and I came away I mean how ridiculous is that but it's one of the burdens that people can bear is the burden of comparison when we look at fruitfulness or giftedness or charisma or personality or whatever and we tend to not come out that well when we do it People bear this burden as well. The burden of someone else's expectation when they are a significant person in our world. Now probably the big ones here are parents. And I found that people can bear that burden all their lives if they feel that they're not measuring up. You know, 50-year-olds can still be seeking 70-year-old dad's approval. It's extraordinary. And that is one of the heaviest burdens to bear. The bear, the the burden of approval of significant people. I've seen people do the most crazy things to get that approval. That they've stepped out and they've done things that were never going to work, just hoping to hear the words, I'm proud of you. And when they've not heard it, it's this ongoing burden that they bear in life. Now, I'm talking about a few burdens here, but don't worry, the news is about to get very, very good. Here's a burden that I've seen that perhaps is one of the toughest of them all, the burden of not meeting your own unrealistic expectations. I think the burden of perfectionism is one of the toughest because no matter what you did, it's not good enough. No matter how hard you try, you didn't quite get there. No matter what the outcome, the outcome that you wanted should have been just a little bit better. And that, I think, is one of the most terrible burdens to bear wherever I can as a pastor. I try and bring the grace of God to release people from that burden. The burden then of not meeting the expectations of what we perceive God has of us. Now that one seems to work out. If we think we're not meeting dads and we're not meeting ourselves, we think, oh, well, God can't be pleased. We're going to see in just a moment that perhaps the reality is that when he looks at us, he's got a smile on his face and he's giving us the big thumbs up. That's that's, When we look at the word, I think that that's what we're going to find out. The burden of disappointment. I thought life was going to turn out differently. I thought that by the end of this year, this would have happened. I thought by age X, things would have been a bit different to where they are now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a pastor. I hear this all the time. Indeed, there's some of them in my world. Disappointment can be a heavy burden to bear. But when we bring it to the foot of the cross, we can change that to his appointment. And see him turn it all around for his purposes that last for all eternity. And then there's just the regular burdens 
of life where we're just trying to make it all happen in an increasingly busy world. Burdens of finance and debt and maybe just doing too much for too long. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. So with these sort of burdens that people bear, what does Jesus say to us? Because I reckon sometimes we can bear these burdens and we can be thinking, well, I'm a bit down on myself, so I think God is too. But do you know what the reality is? Do you know what Jesus says to us when we are bearing burdens of disappointment or comparison or family or whatever it might be? He stands and he declares these words, Come to me. He calls. He declares his arms are open and he is saying, All of you who are weary and burdened, come to me. How good is this news and you see the devil will try and keep us from going to Christ because while we are distant to him guess who's bearing the burden we are but when we come to him that's when we get to do that burden exchange now listen to this this is an extraordinary thing mark 111 mark 111 jesus is being baptized and he comes out of the water. How many miracles had Jesus done before he was baptized? Zero. How many messages had he preached? None. How many crowds has he moved on the mountains? Not a one. It was before he stepped out on all of that. The stuff that often we think, if I'm going to be approved, if I can come to God, I've got to have some runs on the board. Well, Jesus didn't yet have the runs on the board. And yet, listen to what his father said to him. Verse 11, and a voice from heaven said, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Before Jesus had had fruitfulness in any of this task that God had given him on the planet, God told him who he is, that you're my son, you're my daughter. You mean before I've done it? Yeah, right now. You mean before? Yes. With all this, yes. You're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love. You mean I don't have to earn it? No, it's, it's in your direction right now, unearned as you are. You're my son, you're my daughter, whom I love. And then I sense the father put this big smile on his face and said, and with you I'm well pleased. You're pleased? You're smiling towards me? Yes. See, this is what we need to understand this morning brothers and sisters, that our Father is looking towards us regardless of the burdens we are bearing right now and His arms are open and He's telling us who we are, that He loves us, He's pleased with us and what He really wants is that we just come to Him and lay the burdens at His feet. Because the truth is, we're not wired to bear these burdens. And then He says something really really interesting i like the come to me bit but what about the take my yoke upon you bit 
What on earth is that all about? Well, let's have a look at this photo. This is um, a shot from Africa. Uh, I saw this and I thought, this is really cool. I want to show you about this. Yesterday, I was talking to Pastor David Livingston. Uh, David and Catherine are our C3 pastors in C3 Kitgum in northern Uganda. And I had a great chat with David and he told me some good news. He said, I've bought another set of oxen plow. And I said, oh, where, where's this lot going to? And he go, oh, I'm sending these over to C3 Wall. Right? So we've got in the former Lord's Resistance Army place that had terror and warfare for 20 years, we've now got about 38 C3 churches, right? And, and lives are being transformed because we're not going and just starting a church and giving everyone a handout. Uh, we're coming alongside our farmers who, if they don't have an oxen plough, do you know how they till the soil? With a man or a woman pulling the plough. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but that is a terrible thing to see because men and women aren't strong enough to pull ploughs and the amount of ground that they can get under tillage is probably only subsistence level. But if you get an ox team and a plough, it changes everything for the entire community because they can put these vast areas under tillage. They can have a crop that's more than what they need. It's enough to be able to get their kids to school and buy new clothes and to be able to be generous and, and to tithe and to give and to, to do all this incredible stuff. And so this is a great picture, very close to uh, my heart because of what's happening with these oxen plows. Now, the ox has got quite a talent. What's the talent of the ox? They are really, really strong. But without a yoke, that strength will not go in the direction of the farmer. In fact, they'll just wander wherever with their strength. Wherever there's a bit of food, off the ox goes in that direction. The whole thing about the yoke, and the yoke you can see on those teams, is going across the neck and it's attached to the straps that attach to the plow. It's the yoke that brings the strength of the ox and connects it to the purpose of the farmer. If we take Jesus' yoke upon us, it's a really powerful way of saying that we are recognizing his lordship on our life. That we are saying, the talents that you've given me, the passions that you've put inside me, the strength that I've got to live this life, the joy in me, the personality you've given me, the time that I've got on this planet, the dollars that you put in my hand. When I take your lordship on my life, that yoke, when I take the yoke of Jesus upon me, then you can direct me to use what you've put in my hands for your purpose. Isn't that a powerful, powerful picture of lordship? Now, here's the thing about this. You might think, well, Pat... I mean, I like the picture of lordship, but I'm already feeling a bit burdened. I don't want to add another burden to the burdens I've already got. I don't want to put like this lordship of Jesus thing on top of this, the, the, the challenges of, of trying to meet people's expectations and the, the disappointments that I've got and, the, and all these other burdens. You don't add. What this is talking about is a burden swap where we come to the foot of the cross and we lay down 
the burdens that we're carrying at the foot of the cross. We lay down disappointments because we were never meant to carry those in the first place. We lay down comparisons because they're not something that God had in mind for us. We lay down the, the challenges that are in our world, in our family, and maybe we've been wanting to see something change and it hasn't and we're bearing that burden. Well, why not bring that thing we were never designed to carry and through prayer we bring it and we put it down at the foot of the cross? Maybe the circumstance is still there, but when we bring the burden to the foot of the cross, we're no longer carrying that burden on our shoulders. Instead, they're on the broad shoulders of Jesus, who is the one who bears the burdens on our behalf. And then as we lay our burden down, we take his yoke upon us. What's that yoke? The yoke of his lordship. So what are we living for? For the things that matter for all eternity. For the things that Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to live for this. And we take his yoke upon us. And it is this extraordinary, powerful picture of taking his lordship. So how do you actually do that? I mean, that's all very nice to say. But how do you do this burden swap? What do you think? I've discovered it. I've discovered, in fact, that when this thing is not in my life, I just wake up one morning and find I'm bearing a whole lot more burden than I should. But when this thing is in my life, I find that I can actually have circumstances in my world that are not great in the natural eye, but it's not robbing me of my joy and my peace. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about that place where we just come regularly to the presence of God and the things that are burdening us, we just lift them before His presence in prayer. When I'm not praying, guess who's bearing the burden? Pat is. And I'm not in great shape when I'm bearing the burdens. But when I'm praying, my goodness, it changes everything. It changes everything. And even when the circumstance is still there, I've still got joy. I'm waking up with peace. I know that he's large, he's in charge, and he's going to work it out for good at the end of the day. I've also found this, that the place of burden swap is when we are in fellowship with each other. We're not designed to be secret agent Christians. We're not designed by God to be church attenders. Did you know that he has designed us for this amazing thing that we call fellowship? The Bible calls it koinonia. And that is where other members of the body of Christ, and it it actually says this, we bear one another's burdens. How cool is that? That when we're bearing a burden that there's someone else in the church and we know them well enough, maybe we know them through connect group, we know them because we've been turning up and we're committed and we're sowing into relationship and we know them well enough so we can say, Um, you know what? I need a bit of prayer. I'm pretty burdened. And they'll go, come on, let's pray. Let's bring this to Jesus. I found that every time I've done that, just talking about it to someone else and getting them to pray has made a difference. Have they solved my problems? Mostly not. It's still been there. Sometimes it goes. We just believe together and off it goes. But even when it's not and it's still on the landscape, I'm not carrying it anymore. That is the place of exchange, prayer and fellowship. 
And then when we exchange and we take Jesus' burden upon us, what is his burden like? I love this. Look further in that Matthew 11 verse. It says, I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. When we take the Lordship of Christ on us, he doesn't wear us out. He doesn't crush us. He doesn't give us something that is going to steal our joy and our peace. In fact, this is why the Bible calls the joy that we have in life and the peace that we have in life, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because really, sometimes when you look at the challenges on our world and other people are looking at it, they go, you shouldn't have joy right now. You shouldn't have peace. Or they think, what's wrong with you? Don't you know what you're facing? Don't you know that you should be really, really worried about that? No, no, no. When we do the burden swap and take his lordship on our life, that yoke is easy and light. And we can have situations on the landscape which are beyond us and we don't have a solution for at that time and still have the peace that surpasses all understanding. It also says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not going to crush us. There's a strong sense of graciousness. One of the subjects that I teach at college is uh, world missions. I teach that with Pam Borrow. And it's all about how you take the gospel across a cultural boundary from one culture to another. And one of the great heroes of this whole thing of taking the gospel from one culture to another is a guy called William Carey. In fact, William Carey is often known as the father of modern missions. He went from, the, uh, from England at a time when the clergy were saying, do not take the gospel to the heathens. Right? That was actually the words they were using. Um, if God wants to take the gospel to the heathens, he'll do it without your help or mine. Right? That was the mindset of the church. And William Carey and his family went to India with the gospel. Upon arrival, his whole family got quite ill. Uh, dysentery, which is a really serious situation. He spent the first year's budget in 12 weeks. And the guy that was there to work with him abandoned him, took the mission money with him, and started up a doctor's practice to pay off a debt that he thought he'd run away from, but had caught up with him even in India. So how are you feeling when you're on a God mission and it all seems to go pear-shaped? Well, this is what he said, because you can actually see what he wrote in his diary. Let me just find that for you. Must be right here. Here we go. He says this. Towards evening, I felt the all-sufficiency of God. And I felt the stability of His promises. I was able to roll my cares on Him. Now that is real. And that is powerful 
Because when we do the burden swap, we're no longer carrying the cares. That's Jesus' business, and he's really good at it because he's our, our burden bearer. Now, one of the things I found about understanding this, taking Jesus' yoke on us and not carrying it myself and coming to him and, and finding that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and not having to run around like a chook with your head cut off. I mean, so many people are wanting to please God, but doing it in a way that they're thinking the way to please God is to try and do a million things. Whereas if you look at the way Jesus did it, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. Not a million things, not meeting a million needs, just doing what his father in heaven was doing. What I found is that I've been able to get to a place where I'm not thinking one day, then I'll be joyful. One day when this problem's gone, then I'll be happy. One day when I've got this healing, then it's going to be okay. One day when my family member and I are back in good connection, then I'll have joy. One, I find a lot of people, even if unintentionally set up the one day talk, one day and then. God wants us not just to have joy one day when we get there. He wants us to have joy right here, right now on the journey that we actually enjoy the journey, that our journey's joy and peace is not determined by the circumstance around us, but by our ability day by day in prayer and in fellowship to roll our cares on God and to take instead of our burdens, which are onerous and burdensome and heavy, to take his burden, which is joy and which is light and which is restful and is peace to our souls. Romans 4, sorry, Romans 14, 17 to 18 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. The kingdom of God is not a matter of, well, it says here, eating and drinking. In the context, it was talking about rules and regulations about what you could eat. It was talking about the law. It was talking about trying to please God by doing stuff. It was talking about rules and regulations that you think, if I, if I somehow meet this rule or this regulation, then maybe then I can have joy. What the New Testament way of doing it is, is that it's not a matter of all the rules and regulations. It's righteousness. We live right. He's our Lord. We take his yoke upon us. Yes, it's righteousness. It's peace. Well, we're coming up into the season of peace. And peace is a part of having his yoke upon us. It's joy. God loves it when we have joy and it's living in the Holy Spirit. What a different way of living that is. It's not, okay, let's look at the rule book. How many rules are there for me to follow? It's, Holy Spirit, I know you, and I'm going to listen to your voice, and I'm going to serve you and please you today. That's relational, not legalistic. So the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we live right, We've got peace on the inside. We've got joy in our heart. 
we're waking up in the morning and going, good morning, Holy Spirit. What have you got in store for me today? What sort of life is that? Is that a sort of life that pleases God? Well, check out what it says. Because anyone who serves God in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Brothers and sisters, as we serve the Lord and as we come into this Christmas, let's not carry all the burdens that people carry. But in that place of prayer, in that place of fellowship, that we do a burden swap and that we take his yoke upon us because as we do that we're going to find this extraordinary miraculous thing happens that we get joy that we get peace it's not joy that comes and goes people who want that one they say if only I could be happy we actually have got something that's more long lasting and deeper than happiness it's called joy it's something that remains. Joy isn't determined by circumstance. It's determined by Christ in us. And today, there's two things that I want to do. One is to give people who have never asked Jesus to be their Lord and taken his yoke upon them to have that opportunity to do that this morning. The second is that for anyone here who's come and they're carrying some burdens that we're just going to treat this like we're at the foot of the cross in church today. And that before we walk out that door, that we're going to lay our burdens down and do a burden swap with Jesus today. Amen.